It is the 11 Dub Cast. I'm Johnny. He's Andy. Let's do a little bit more Ohio State fun and frivolity. Ohio State goes into Happy Valley, which ostensibly was going to be one of, you know, before I guess the season started, one of the most difficult games on the schedule, at least looking at the, the base threat that Penn State typically provides. But as the season actually goes into it, uh, you know, Penn State ends up missing their best defender and they lose, you know, their running backs. And so it, it, it took away a lot of the juice that I think it normally would have. But still a big game. It's still in Happy Valley. You don't have the fans, but it's important. And, you know, this is one of those resume builders in a season that Ohio State really doesn't have a lot of. So it's a top t- or top 25 team on the road. Ohio State handles their business 38-25. I feel pretty good about it. There's some things I think will continue to be a little bit of a concern, and Ohio State fans, I think, need to accept certain things that you might see, particularly out of the running game. But overall, and I'll keep saying this, if you've got Justin Fields as your quarterback, you're, you're sitting pretty. There, what, else, what else could you want out of this guy? He is – unbelievable and when you've got a receiving core with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave on it I I mean you can hang with literally anybody and it they put on a show they really did I was really impressed with as as I have been all season and I I said this in this week's roundtable uh after the Nebraska game really impressed with not just Justin Fields but with the wide receiving core like that to mm-hmm. me was I knew they were going to be good um, and, I, and I put it this way in the round table like I knew they were going to be good I think I was impressed at how they're darn near flawless I mean if you yeah. look up uh, you know it was it was midway through the game at Penn State and Fields had two quote-unquote incompletions and they were both like on the whole season not just in the game like you know up to that point he had two incompletions all season long and they were both dropped touchdowns in the end zone you know that Mm -hmm. both of them were they weren't they weren't his incompletions necessarily now I'm not saying they were you know the receivers both had heavy contact in both those cases and and whatnot but I saw a stat um, earlier today at this point Justin Fields has thrown for uh, as many touchdowns as he has incompletions on the season like that ain't bad friends normally we're comparing touchdowns to interceptions for quarterbacks today we're comparing touchdowns versus incompletions yeah and they're uh, and it's a favorable uh, comparison so so to me you know as you said when the the centerpiece of your offense is Justin Fields you you don't have a whole lot of problems but then when you put around him guys like Chris Olave Garrett Wilson you know good things are going to happen yeah, well, and good things are going to happen when you throw to the tight ends. I don't want to forget that. Two touchdowns for a tight end and Jeremy Ruckert. Uh, Did we think we would ever see it? Did we ever think we would live to see the day? It, you know what, though? It happens. There, there have been times in Ohio State's past where they will occasionally light up the tight ends, and everybody's like, is this it? Is this it? And they get super excited, and then they don't have another catch for the rest of the season. So I, I'm excited. I don't think that's going to continue to be a huge part of the offense. I will say that I, the, the safety net that Ryan Day loves to kind of insert into the offense, he's big about levels, right? He loves leveling out his, uh, his routes, his route tree with the wide receivers, which I think is just the way he's able to do that. His play calling is just so great and, and brilliant, and I love the play design. But those out routes – I don't I really feel like I need to go back and just do a deep dive into everything we've written about it and rewatch some game film and all that kind of stuff because I don't think that play has ever once been stopped. They that that little 8 to 10 yard out route is there every 
single time they want it. And you can exploit the hell out of that. I mean, again, you, you, you're not going to be able to do that all game. But whenever they need a good 7 to 10 yards, whatever, they get it. And the, the body control that these guys have, it, it's not exactly like, you know, Justin Fields is this otherworldly, godly quarterback who can make, you know, a, even a mediocre wide receiver look like an all-pro. He's getting some help from his wide receivers, but they're the tandem. These guys working together is just really, really impressive to watch um, because they right now it doesn't seem like there is a secondary in, in college football that could really hang with these guys when they're on. And, again, I've, I've said this ad nauseum. I think some of it is a function of just offenses in general having an advantage right now because, you know, you can – you can do tendencies. You can really mess with the defense early in a season, uh, particularly when they haven't had a time, to, a lot of time to prepare. Um, but there's nothing for me to complain about with the the passing game. the The rushing game, I'll be honest, this is what you're going to get. I, I really think that this is going to be, um, you know, pretty much what it will look like for the remainder of the season. Trey Sermon, Master Teague, averaging you know around five yards carry a game you might get a couple of longer runs out of these guys but neither of them are game breakers I would like to see Trey Sermon a little bit more involved in the passing game I'm okay with that but you know Garrett Wilson had that that really great you know run and, and whatnot at, at the beginning of the game and I you know I think they're going to do a little bit more of that with him with you know some shades of Ted Ginn but are you concerned about the running game or do you think that's just kind of what the offense is going to look like and you're okay with that I was concerned about it after the Nebraska game, yeah, I'm less concerned about it now, uh, and and a couple of reasons for that. One, I think you're, I think you're right. Now you've seen this passing game basically impose its will uh, on on two defenses that I don't think are terrible. Yeah, um, that, good defense. Honestly, good defense. Even even without you know some of their best players, you know, both Nebraska and Penn State, really, they're still good defenses. They they have especially Penn State's defensive line is excellent. Right. So, so I, I've watched this and we've just been singing the praise of the passing attack and, and what I liked out of the, the rushing game um, this week is, is over the Nebraska game is I think it, I think it fits. I think Ryan day is mm. such a good play caller that he's going to use it in a, in an appropriate way. You know, when you need to get a few yards, master T can get you a few yards. We've been so used to seven yards in a cloud of dust, LOL that you know now we're kind of reverting to the mean of of where you know maybe you're going to pick up as you said you can count on these guys for four or five yards yeah uh and and hey you know what that's that's not the end of the world uh so I, it reminds I me at, of an nfl offense honestly you know well, what I mean? and look at ryan day's pedigree right he's yeah. an nfl guy and so when you're and that's not all to the bad either think about now there's people talking about ohio state as quarterback you because you're drawing in the quarterback talent that ryan day is drawing in nobody was having that conversation a decade ago mm-hmm. you know this is a ryan day thing he's a quarterback whisperer uh and, and you look at what he's doing with fields you look at what he did with dwayne haskins and you look at the quarterbacks that he's recruiting, it's a lot right. of talent. So, <laughs> so you start thinking about an NFL-style offense. It just makes sense. And, oh, by the way, it works. If you've got the talent at the quarterback position and you've got the wide receivers and there's no reason to think Ohio State with Brian Hartline um, doing his thing is, is not going to continue to have wide receivers like that. They're just you know turning out first-rounders seemingly at will. So, hey, I'm, I'm okay with a running game 
that is complementary to an NFL style offense. I mean, it just, it, it seems to be working and you know, Hey, when you've got uh, an offensive line, that's as good as Ohio state's appears to be, then you can go out and pick up a few yards when you need it. No, 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 by the way, you know, we didn't see it a bunch this game, but you can still tuck Justin Fields up under center and pick up a first down if you need to. Right. Right. And incorporate him in the running game. If you really feel that that's something that like in a, in a high pressure game and a big 10 championship or something like that, he can obviously pick up a lot of yards with his legs. He wasn't asked to do it as much against Penn state, which is good, frankly. Like, yeah, I, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I can um, wait to see him unleash his full uh, talents as a runner when they're playing Alabama in the yeah, playoffs. Like exactly. I can wait for that. That's not something I need to see against Rutgers this week. Absolutely agree. And so, you know, offensively, you know, you're still putting up over 525 yards of total offense. You're still moving the ball at will. You know, I, I think honestly they got a little bit bored at a certain point because when they scored those first two touchdowns really quickly, I think everybody there, I think everybody on the sidelines, everybody on the field, you know, all the people who were in the stadium, all 20 of them kind of recognized that this was not going to happen for Penn State. I mean, they were able to make a little bit of a game. They hung around. Uh, but Ohio State was was moving the ball pretty much at will when they really needed to, and that's you know I think really just a testament to the talent disparity. What I thought was interesting was really Ohio State's defensive performance. Um, that to me was kind of a mixed bag and and kind of really two extremes here because Sean Clifford really I don't think is a great quarterback in a lot of ways. I mean he's been incredibly inconsistent throughout his college career still put up decent amount of passing yards and you know I guess we can just kind of address the elephant in the room how do you feel about Sean Wade I mean possibly you know we keep kind of promoting these guys who flash really well in the secondary and, and maybe they're more like you know in a nickel or, or a safety or something like that. okay let's bump them up to, to corner put them on an island and then it works out uh, he got abused a couple times uh, more than a couple times. I mean, Dotson, I mean, obviously everybody's going to point to that one, you know, kind of three-play sequence. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I think that uh, he certainly didn't do himself any favors. And Seven Banks had some, you know, some brain farts and didn't do super great. The passing defense did not really, in my opinion, live up to what they need to be. I, they'll be fine for the rest of the Big Ten season. I'm not worried about that. But if you're talking about Ohio State as a championship contender, you want to see them tighten that up a little bit, right? Yeah, I, I think that's exactly wh where my head is as well. I had a couple friends texting me or tweeting me uh, during the game that you know, Wade cost himself some money uh, yeah. with that game because, you know, high-profile game. And, and, and it wasn't just that he looked like he got burnt. Um, he did, but there were, you know, there that maybe that second uh, or third time he got torched, you're kind of like, you're trying to decide if he looks like he's really, really, you know, hundred percent there, if he was half assing it or what, you know, it kind of, yeah. Or maybe like a nagging injury something like, you yeah, know, like, like you don't know. Yeah. You yeah. don't know what's going on, but it's, you know, with a guy that has that much obvious talent, you didn't expect. Now that said, let's not take anything away from uh, Dotson there, the, the wide receiver with that circus catch and then yes. the one hander, you know, is channeling his OBJ, uh, that was that was pretty fantastic and so that cat maybe made himself some money that <laughs> night uh, yeah, but the other thing is um and i think it was our man kevin harris that pointed out you know this isn't wade's position that he's been playing for 100 years it's here, not you know? so i think it's easy when you're watching on saturday night to fire off a mean tweet 
you know, what's going on here, scrub, you know, thought you're supposed to be a first rounder. And uh, when, when he's playing a new position, it's the second game in that spot. So that's, you know, that's a big deal. And, and you also have to keep in mind too, normally they would have had two or three games of uh, out of conference opponents by games and whatnot to right. dial that in before you go and you're facing a home run hitter like that uh, under the lights in happy Valley. Yeah. I, it's not something I think I'm concerned about long-term, but I do think short-term that's something that opponents will be looking at and going, oh, yeah. okay, this is, this is how we can put some points up against Ohio state. And look, I mean, you look at the rest of the schedule. I, there are some threats from quarterbacks who might be able to put up some points and, and, you know, make some throws and things like that. I don't think anything on the level of like, okay, this is going to be a 52 50 shootout or something like that. Um, but it's something to look at going forward, something to keep an eye on. I will say this, though. I believe a lot of people were sleeping on this defensive line a little bit, and not necessarily in the sense that, like, okay, well, there's going to be you know some guys stepping up and being really great players. I, obviously, there were a lot of uh, you know people getting hype, and you know this is going to be the next chase and all that kind of stuff. But Tommy Togiai... <laughs> Guy was brilliant. Not not just the fact that he played really well and got the three sacks and all that kind of stuff, but defensively, like the total effort that everyone had to just limit Penn State's rushing attack. And again, yes, they they they're missing so much, right? They they are really really missing a lot, and they're hurting on that side of the ball for Penn State. But Ohio State was giving them nothing, right? It, it's not just Tommy Togiai, you know, like Tyler Friday, a lot of these other guys they worked so well at getting off their blocks and doing what they needed to do to clog up the interior of that line. The linebackers played incredibly well. They were closing the balls really quickly. Jonathan Cooper had an unbelievable game. Uh, They didn't show up maybe as much in the stat sheet as some of the other dudes, but like they just, they did so much to react to the ball and, and really swarm and do what they needed to do. I was really impressed by the rush defense, not just because of the the sacks from Togiai, which was incredible, and he had an awesome game, but they just were playing instinctually. They were playing together. It everything just seemed like it was working out for them. And as a cohesive unit, you got to put them right up there with the offensive line, honestly, because I I just I loved what I saw from those guys overall, just how they were working together. The two things that we we talked quite a lot about heading into the game was was Clifford as a running quarterback after seeing Nebraska's quarterbacks get some yardage uh, against Ohio State on yeah. their feet, uh, but then also Pat Fryermuth, one of the best tight ends in college football. You know the two guys that really didn't hurt Ohio State at all, uh, either uh, Clifford as a runner or Pat Fryermuth as uh, as a pass catcher. Neither of those guys no. really showed up on the stat sheet at all. And that's a tribute to to the front seven. I mean, if you look at uh, Pete Werner, this guy, I don't know if gets enough respect. There were several times where I'm like, holy smokes, look at Werner. You know, he's oh, yeah. closing speed was fantastic. Getting up there, and I, I'm pretty sure that Sean Clifford's hearing Werner's footsteps, you know, because he was just, it wasn't that Werner was, <laughs> was laying him out, but he was up there, you know, threatening the blitz. He, he knew the pressure was coming, and he would move so fast at times. Right. That Clifford, I think, crapped the, himself the a little bit. Speed. And, yeah. yeah, Clifford. Clifford's an athlete. Or excuse, yeah, Sean Clifford's an athlete, and and Pete Werner was just taking him out whenever whenever there was a threat of a quarterback run. Pete Werner, like you said, he was just right up there in his ear hole, and like I was, 
I, I, you know, I'm not a guy who's been sleeping on Pete Warner. I, I've known he's had talent. I know he's been done, you know, he's done well uh, in his time at Ohio State. But I think I was surprised by how, you know, able he was as a quarterback spy in that um, kind of regard. I, I, I did not expect him to be able to do that much I, when it comes to, you know, keeping an eye on the, the quote-unquote athlete of the offense. He did an excellent job in that capacity. And I don't know. To, to have that kind of safety net is something that really can help a guy like Tough Borland, right, who is not known for his speed, right? And I think it also can free up a guy like like Cooper to, to do things that, you know, he wants to do or at least the, the defensive staff wants him to mm-hmm. do in terms of blitzing or, you know, unique kind of like fakes or anything like that. It, when you have that kind of consistency that can keep an eye on the athlete of the other team uh, at the linebacker position, um, that just frees the rest of your defensive players to do so much up front. And, you know, it's like when Ryan Chazier, right, is doing, you know, yes. or Raekwon, like it just makes everybody else better because it allows them to, to get more creative with what they want to do. Yeah, um, you mentioned Cooper. I mean, Cooper was a guy I thought had a fantastic game, even if it even it didn't show up in the stats the same way. And then and then Togi, I not only uh, did he have a great game, but ends up being Big Ten co-defensive player of the week yeah. because of of the game he had. And that's you know one of those we knew he was going to be just exactly what you said earlier. We knew he was going to be good coming into it, but I think everybody expected more of a, of a step back from the defensive front given what they were losing. Uh, especially in Chase Young, and mm-hmm. you know what? Through two games um, and and two that were going to be a good test for those guys early in the season, I'm feeling pretty darn good about that front seven um, for the Buckeyes. More questions, like you like you said uh, about the secondary, and can they get it together? I saw some nice things from uh, Marcus Hooker. Thought mm-hmm. his second half was pretty darn good. Yep, absolutely. Um, so you know, I think there are some, I think there are some strong possibilities there. But uh, it'll be be interesting to see if they can if they can pick up their end of the deal because you don't want to see you know so they're pretty good passing quarterbacks um, coming down the line you don't want to see them picking apart the secondary but if that front seven can shut down a rushing attack and get some pressure on quarterbacks you know it makes that job a little harder yeah eight sacks through two games I'll, I will take that right like that's... check and check. I didn't think I, I did not expect that. I didn't expect that from them, but you know, damn it. They're, they're kind of kicking ass a little bit. Kyle Jones uh, com- has a really nice film study this week. If folks haven't read it, talking oh, yeah. about how good the silver bullets were up front um, and, and why that mattered uh, pretty big in, in uh, this win. So if you haven't read that, always learn something from reading Mr. Jones's breakdown of the film. This one, yeah. especially because he just loved talking about big, nasty defensive line and, and linebacker play. Yep. And coming up, they've got, you know, you've got Rutgers, which is a little resurgent. I mean, they, you know, they're, they're one and one now. I think people are a little high on them after their beginning win, but Indiana, Indiana's a top 15 team right now in the country, folks. So Kids, you've got Rutgers. Have, have you talked to your children about top 15 Indiana? <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah, you got Rutgers and then you got Maryland who, you know, they've got a guy who can fun sling it a little bit and then you've got Phoenix with, uh, with uh, Indiana. So there's, and then Michigan State. So, you know, we were kind of making fun of the uh, the middle part of this schedule before the season started, but it, it looks a lot better maybe than, than what we thought. So 
I, I don't think they're necessarily going to challenge Ohio State too much. And, and Rutgers right now, I think the line started at 37 and a half. 37, yeah, so, 37, and that's something. Yeah, so we'll try to see if they cover that a little bit later. The, the over-under uh, at 70 and a half. Yeah, that's, that's a little <laughs> optimistic, but we'll see how that goes. Um, so that'll be fun. Nationally, this was an interesting week for a couple of reasons. Uh, you know, the, it's so hard to even tell honestly where a lot of these teams are because you want to believe that on a week-to-week basis okay it's like all right well we we know that at least these teams are going to be good or there's like some kind of you know back and forth between maybe like the 15 to 25 teams that's accepted but the top five I really honestly dude I mean yeah Clemson was able to come back on BC and, and kind of dominated that second half I really don't have a lot of faith in Clemson after watching for example their defensive line which I think just got bullied Throughout the game, really. I mean, it, yes, Clemson or BC didn't really score uh, too much in the second half, but I, I think a lot of that was just on dumb mistakes that they made. Um, I don't have a ton of faith in Clemson right now. Alabama, yeah, they're beating up on Mississippi State, but that's that's a trash team, frankly. Uh, that there's not a whole lot of honor in that, and I just don't believe in in Notre Dame or UGA. So I don't think there's too many chances for Ohio State to move up. Because as long as Clemson and Alabama keep winning, they're going to stay one and two. That's not going to change. Um, but yeah, I, I thought there was a possibility that you could see Clemson and Alabama switch spots. Given yeah, yeah, but I don't think how it was Clemson looked. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, it does. It doesn't look that way. Like this was a week when when you saw Clemson look kind of kind of you know junky. Uh, in Boston College, you just give a shout out to Halfley, man. That guy. Oh, hell yeah, is, man. Uh, that, that guy's legit. And, and who, who thought that in year one, it was going to be challenging Clemson. I mean, uh, and, and by the way, you know, not for nothing. Yeah. They didn't have sunshine slinging the rock. Uh, but his absence wasn't the reason they were on the ropes in that game. Right. No, it's not. His backup looked pretty legit. Oh, by the way, another five-star quarterback. So right. the, it was a true freshman, but he was 30, 30 of 41 for 340 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the quarterback play wasn't the problem. There was that defense. So yep. I think if you get a team that's – I mean, this Notre Dame game is going to be an interesting one. Not that I have a huge amount of faith in Notre Dame. Um, <laughs> I don't but, think anybody does. But, they they but haven't you, earned it. But you might, you, you, know, you might expect them as the number four team in the country to, to push Clemson a little bit. So that could be, that could be interesting. Uh, but, that yeah, I was sitting there like, oh, man, this would be great. This would be great. Halfley can – exercise some demons here against yeah uh, Clemson wouldn't that be poetic justice alas well it's not to be so as you mentioned they've got Notre Dame coming up that's going to be huge uh no Trevor Lawrence so that's even huger which I'm surprised they didn't try to finagle that but maybe he's not feeling very I mean honestly like it's entirely possible that he's actually hurting from this and and you know probably has to to make sure that he gets better instead of trying to you know rush him back on the field um I don't. I mean, that'll be interesting to see how that actually plays out. If if Clemson loses that game, the, I, they'll fall. But I really don't see them falling out of the top four or five because they'll get the benefit of the doubt. Um, you know. So it, I guess it kind of depends on how that plays out. If it's a close game or however that you know ends up. Uga, I thought looked. <laughs> their offense is just piss poor, and they were lucky they were playing UK. And really, everybody behind that, I don't know. 
like I guess you could look at Cincinnati, maybe. <laughs> like the fighting Tom I know, Herman's I know got you, their revenge. I know That's you hate cool. to give uh, Cincinnati the, the 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 props, but man, Fickle's making it work. If this is a normal a normal year, I mean, he would be uh, he would be that group five team. I mean, he's be making some people sweat uh, as that group of five team. Bearcats were, I mean, they put it on Memphis. Well, here's the deal: if Cincinnati keeps winning, and you know, Ugga loses and Notre Dame loses, then they're right there. Like Cincinnati's right there. And just Talk because of the children way- about a top four Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I want to. I don't know that I want to think about that. I, to me, it's funny, right? And, and part of it is you still got the Pac-12. And, I, I, you know, a lot of people are probably just waiting for Oregon. You know what I mean? To, mm-hmm. to kind of make their appearance. And if Oregon comes out and plays really well, Pollsters will look at that and go, okay, well, here's, here's the team that we can put above Cincinnati. But until that happens, and assuming Oregon comes out and you know, looks like, doesn't look like gangbusters, they, they got to actually come out and, and look good because Cincinnati's sitting right there. They destroyed a Memphis team that I think the line was pretty damn close on that game. I think it was like three points or seven points or something like that. They won by 39 points. Um, they've got a really good running back. They've got a really good quarterback. You know – I think if they had to play Ohio State or Clemson or Alabama, they would get smoked. Mm-hmm. But agreed, they might just get that opportunity. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens as the season progresses. There's still a lot of football to be played. Let's talk about the the extended Big Ten here, Michigan. I, you know, we can just go right in with them. I can't believe we <sighs> took this long to get to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the game of the weekend. Oh, fantastic. I, uh, I'm stupid. <laughs> like I'll just I'll go ahead and just admit that I'm dumb as hell because I have watched every Michigan game for pretty much the past three or four seasons for a threat level. And I've watched the script play out so many times where they have a good win. Everybody buys into them for maybe a week and a half, or maybe they win two in a row and everybody's going, okay, they finally figured this out. Harbaugh's finally got an idea about how to manage this offense. Their defense looks good. And they completely blow it against the team that matters. And this has happened four, five, six times now. It happens multiple times within a season, right? It usually happens maybe sometime at the end of September, and then it happens again against Ohio State. I don't know why I even remotely bought into the idea that they had something going, you know, and part of it was me still thinking that Minnesota was somewhat of a good team, (laughs) which was stupid in of itself, but they look so bad against Michigan state. And it's not even, you know, sometimes you can chalk it up to bad coaching. We're like, all right, well, this team just, you know, damn it. If they only had some competent coaching and, and, you know, they, the game plan was coherent and the players had a good scheme and all this other stuff. Honestly, they didn't look that talented either. It really looked like Michigan State and a lot of phases of the game was simply just more talented than Michigan was, particularly in the passing game. Uh, Michigan has no corners, and as we found out today, their their cornerbacks coach apparently has not been coaching for some time now. Uh, that, I mean, and, that to me is one of the crazier stories that just like middle of the season here. Yeah. <laughs> people like, comes out in oh, November. Oh, oh, by the way. Oh, oh by, by the way, way, we don't have a quarter or a cornerbacks coach. So all of that combined is just complete chaos and an absolute mess. 
I think they'll wait till the end of the season to finally pull the trigger on Harwell. This is something they should have done two seasons ago, but they didn't because he still had time left on his contract and because of the sunk cost fallacy. But I got to believe this is Harbaugh's last season there. I don't see it getting better. And if it does for like a week, screw it. There is no way I I am buying in that they have figured anything out because they're going to lose to Ohio State by 500 points. I mean, there was a time where you said, oh, you know, he's he's Michigan's John Cooper. Uh, he, he, He wins a lot of games. Uh, but you know, just can't get past Ohio state. Just can't get past Ohio state gang. That train has left the station and that's disrespectful to one John Cooper. Like that is, that is not okay. This, uh, this is far beyond that. I I thought Pete Thamel had a fantastic piece just teeing off on the Harbaugh experience and, you know, pointing out that not, not only is Michigan not competing with Ohio State for top recruits. They've more or less seeded the field. They, they've more or yeah. less just said, eh, we're not really going after those, those players. Uh, you, you talked about the talent disparity in the sense of Michigan State looking more talented. Like That should not be the case because if there's one thing that you'd say about Mark D'Antonio's tenure, you know, the longer he was there, you know, it wasn't like he was recruiting at a high level. It's part of the reason no. he's not still there because – you know, we went from recruiting those scrappy three stars that he could polish up to just, you know, again, not getting great football players. Uh, and, well, and that's Michigan, turned around a little bit because now Michigan is even losing battles to Michigan State within it, yeah, the it, state exactly. of Michigan. Yeah, exactly. And, and so you've got, you've got not just the hubris that is the Michigan man, but like, you, you know, you're just phoning it in at this point. It's, right. It's really, it really feels lazy. That, yeah. That's the best way to put it. It really does feel phoned in. It feels lazy. It's not just that they're confused and dumb and making poor decisions. The players aren't getting coached up, and I don't know how they keep this dude around uh, much longer. Because, and again, for an Ohio State fan, you're like, yeah, hell yeah, keep him around forever. That's fine. But <laughs> for, <laughs> for my own personal enjoyment, like I don't even want Michigan necessarily to be good. I just want them to be entertaining, and they're not even that. So they were fun to watch against Minnesota, but that Michigan State game was dire. And even though it was a close game, they only lost by three, they were never really in it. And it starts with the head coach, who just completely looks out of sorts and disinterested. And I don't know, man. It it doesn't necessarily pain me, because it is funny on a certain level to watch them this ridiculously dumb. But it's also really irritating because it brings the rest of the big 10 down. This is supposed to be one of the marquee programs and they're not even trying. Well, long time so, listeners of the program will, will have heard me say this multiple times during the summer of big 10 debacles, uh, everything rises and falls on leadership. And so yep. when you look at this program, it is a program without a rudder uh, because Jim Harbaugh I, I, is not steering the ship other than toward the iceberg. Apparently you, you, you've got, You've got to, if you're going to compete at an elite level, recruit the best talent in the country. And with a brand as strong as Michigan's and, and that vaunted Michigan academic prestige, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sitting here saying as a parent, and you read a story that the cornerbacks coach hasn't apparently been coaching for quite some time, and you see the uninspired performance against a rival, uh, one that, a rival that you should be able to beat handily in Michigan State, you know, under mm-hmm. a first-year head coach, uh, why on earth would you let your son go and play 
for this program. I mean, the Michigan sheepskins, about the only thing that you'd say you'd be getting out of the deal that would be yeah. worth it, you know, and that's, and I'm saying that under duress as a, as a graduate of the Ohio state university. So <laughs> I'm saying that begrudgingly, you know, like what else are you getting out of the deal to send your kid to Michigan? Nothing, nothing, you know, it's, it, you would not go there. You'd go anywhere else right now. And if you're a five-star recruit, are, are you even considering Michigan? No. Why are you why would considering? You? Yeah, why, why would you? you? No. No. So last last word on that. Uh, Harbaugh is one in six at home against Michigan State <laughs> and Ohio State That's since great. 2015. That is oh. insane. Um, so a little bit other, you know, action in the Big Ten. I, I like that Indiana is good, but I'm a little scared that Indiana is good. Uh, Tom Allen's got him rolling a little bit. So that'll, you know, they've got a quarterback. They've got some other guys who can play. I, I am very interested to see what Indiana is going to look like at the end of this season because they, they keep getting a little bit better. When I was and, a kid, Sports Illustrated had a feature every week that, that uh, was just kind of a little, you know, one of those little call-out boxes up uh, in the front several pages of the book. And it was called This Week's Sign That the Apocalypse Is Upon Us. And it was mm-hmm. always some, like, weird kind of story you know uh, dog bites man man bites dog sort of reversal or whatever sure. it happened to be and so you know i'm thinking about you know, this you know a, a top 15 indiana team uh the two and oh indiana team and and rolling on like that would that would for sure feel like something that would fit under the heading this week's sign that the apocalypse is upon us, right? They look good though. They they look like a legit team. They're not complete. There's definitely some holes in, in what they're trying to do. I mean, they're very Indiana, right? In their approach to to winning football games, they're going to just pass it a trillion times and yeah. see what that does. But I said but this about Nebraska, though, right? Like you got to have an identity, and ide- Indiana has an identity. Yeah, they do, and and they're still going to, you know, honestly, looking at the, I'm, I just pulled up the box score of the Rutgers they were pretty balanced in what they were attempting to do now running game didn't get a whole lot done <laughs> but they're they're still you know managing to get things uh, accomplished through the air and, and score touchdowns and um I don't know I I'm I'm happy for Indiana I hope they continue their winning ways at least until they play Ohio State other teams kind of on the periphery you've got Purdue you've got Northwestern kind of just peeking in to possibly get in the top 25 if they can keep doing it Northwestern is really more by you know by crook than by hook uh purdue might be getting a little bit better which is nice i think they've slid back a little bit in the past couple years so overall right i i despite wisconsin obviously being hampered in so many different ways yeah and uh of course michigan just looking like boiled ass uh and penn state even i mean penn state you know falling out and, and not obviously being as well regarded as it was at the beginning of the season. I, you know, the middle part of the big 10 is holding strong. I think they're getting a little bit better. And that section that, that four week section that Ohio state fans, including myself bemoaned as, is not helping out Ohio state's uh, postseason chances might actually do them some good. So go in there, win big. And, and that still might actually bolster them a little bit, assuming maybe one of the teams ahead of them, uh, loses, you know, Ohio State could still, they could get bumped up to number one if, if they get lucky. So win big, keep going through it. Uh, I think they'll be all right. Uh, we remind you that the dry, or excuse me, the 11 Dubcast is sponsored by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com. Dry Goods uh, 11warriors.com. Shirts, hats, stickers, all kinds of great stuff. I recommend you check it out. Let's do some Ask Us Anything. I uh, am excited to get into this because we've got some, we got some pretty good questions this week. 
Um, but I actually, I want to start with this. So this is from, um, this is from our friend Matt here. So he has any, uh, he, he just wants to know, do we have any thoughts on licensing some music for our intro? Uh, like maybe the theme for the old Tecmo Bowl or an 8-bit soundtrack. <laughs> do you have any, uh, do you have any, because we used to have uh, some intros. I've, I've experimented with that. We used to do actual licensed songs and we're like, oh crap, that might get us burned. So he avoided that. I got some like open source music at one point in time. Uh, that kind of was a little, I wasn't a big fan of that, a little bit lame. Uh, I don't know. What, what do you think might work as an intro soundtrack for the dubcast? I, I, I like the idea of uh, Tecmo Bowl here. There's some 8-bit music. That's kind of cool. I mean, that's, you know, if we're going we're gonna to do that, go shoot for the gold, get me some uh, Super Mario Brothers. That's the, the classic uh, 8-bit soundtrack right there. Right <laughs> when you, as soon as you said 8-bit, I start here. Do, 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 do. That's my favorite. I, uh, Tecmo, Tecmo Bowl, that's a... That's a good suggestion. Uh, yeah, I like that too. You know, and I, I've said this before probably, I think maybe, but I, I paid my way through uh, beer and books at Ohio State as a disc jockey. And so my taste in music is fairly eclectic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really is all over the place. You know, I could see us uh, going you know, sort of situational music and the, the, the bumpers have got to fit the mood of the program. Right. But, uh, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty much an ACDC guy for, for <laughs> sports. So something with that kind of vibe to it, you probably can't actually license back in black for your podcast, but, uh, you know, something with that kind of hard edge to it. Yeah. I could go with that. I will say that the, uh, go Iowa awesome dudes for a long time did some really amazing parody songs for the beginning of their podcast some of which were just absolutely brilliant so i don't know maybe we can do a little weird owl action and get in on that as well that might be fun as well my wife uh gets aggravated at me because apparently i listen to too much weird owl as a youth and will <laughs> will be listening to the radio in the car uh, yeah. and you know some song will come in uh, and i'll start singing the weird owl words to the actual <laughs> song oftentimes they're better that grinds her that grinds her gears so uh, that's pretty good yeah yeah and she's like what are you saying I'm like I'm singing, the, I'm just singing the song yeah you're rocking just, out what, what are you doing down, right <laughs> all right this one here this is from jacob jacob uh says so seeing minnesota struggles makes me think of how they miss anton winfield jr the son of great ohio state buckeye anton winfield senior ohio state also currently holds a commitment from marvin harrison jr son of nfl hall of famer marvin harrison wow that's a shock that <laughs> Sorry. By the way, I'm I'm Johnny Ginter Jr. So that's actually yeah, that's I am also a junior. So shout out to all the juniors out there. Uh, who is our favorite son of a legendary player, Ohio State or otherwise, and who do you think had the most unrealistic expectations? Thanks from Jacob. Well, that's a good question. This is not actually. This is I'm going to answer this question incorrectly, and I'll love you. Let you then get a correct. But all my right. favorite father son story in Ohio State uh would be would be James Laurinaitis oh sure uh, yeah and I as a kid it, and I've alluded to this in the past that I'm a huge um fan of professional wrestling mm-hmm. and the Road Warriors Legion of Doom by far you know greatest tag team of all time love those guys and there's a great scene and I can't I don't know if Sporting News or Sports Illustrated one of the other did a feature um on James at and this is when he was playing for the Rams and he, they have him painted up with the shoulder pads. Oh, yeah, that was great. And dad's in the Rams jersey. Um, and it just, like, it was perfect. I, I, yeah. I wish it had been in an Ohio, an Ohio State jersey. Um, but 
I, I just geeked out the, the whole calling him little animal thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, really sorry to hear about his dad passing yeah. uh, here relatively recently. That was, uh, yeah, just a couple of weeks ago, I think. 20, yeah. Yeah. Really recently. 2020 continues to suck in a lot of ways, but that was always my favorite, uh, you know, kind of father son story connected to, to Ohio state here in recent memory, just because the, the little uh, Hulkamaniac in me was, was geeking out as a wrestling fan, you know? And, oh yeah. God, that's so cool. No, I agree. That's a, that's a really fun story. Mine actually is not Ohio state. Mine is uh, the Griffies, um, King Griffey senior and King Griffey junior. I just, you know, as a Reds fan myself and the fact that, you know, again, King Griffey obviously hobbled a lot by injuries with his time in Cincinnati did not live up to the hype, unfortunately, but not for one of trying. I mean, the guy obviously just unfortunate what happened to him. I think playing on, you know, some of the, the turf in the, in, in Seattle messed up his knees and a lot of other things, um, unfortunately, but great player, great duo, obviously King Griffey senior, huge part of the big red machine. And I think really part of the coolest moment, one of the coolest moments in baseball history, right. Where father and son, right. Are hitting home runs back to back. Like that is how how cool is that? That has got to be one of the coolest damn things you will ever see in your entire life. Um, Yeah. I just, I would say that's probably my favorite too. And and I, I played the heck out of uh, Griffey juniors, super nintendo game as a kid oh yeah hell yeah man that was fantastic yeah home, home um, run derby that all day long so last one here this one's from chalk and i'll, I'll kind of summarize this one because we're, we're kind of running out of time a little bit but his question is so what year will be the next fbs college team to hit 100 points in a game uh if it's this year do you think the, the buckeyes have it in them uh, and if the game starts rolling and momentum carries forward, do you think Ryan Day will uh, try to go for that and cement himself in Buckeye lore forever? I, you know, no. I mean, dude, <laughs> dude, dude was apologizing to Scott Frost about his quarterback, right. uh, you know, rushing in a garbage time, his backup quarterback rushing in a garbage time touchdown. And, you know, hats off to Frosty for how he responded to that mm-hmm. uh, apology. Like, you know, we oh, just need man. to get better. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, you can't that's get, on us. You can't get torqued off about that. You know, I, I having seen some of those scores from the, you know, 1800 games, the, the early 1900 games where it's a hundred, whatever to nothing, yeah, like 200, I, 213 to zero, all that stuff. I, I mean, uh, I look at those and I'm like, how did that happen? You guys weren't even passing the ball. Like I'm just befuddled <laughs> that that was a thing. And I've not actually gone back and like read any of the, the stories of how that game, you know, or games ended up happening, yeah. but I, I struggle with it. What was the line on the the Clemson Georgia Tech game? Um, oh God! I mean that was pretty that was pretty crazy here. Uh, let me look it up because seventy. I mean it was seventy three to seven, yeah. and you you know that's a pretty obscene that's a pretty obscene score uh, for a modern day football game. So how often do you see seventy point games in a season? these days not not very not too often so, Ohio State's hit that number a couple of times in the past maybe 10 or 12 years they've, yeah, they've gotten into the 60s more than once for sure yeah and they've gotten you know against Florida A&M I think they scored like 71 73 something like that um or I don't know Florida A&M one of the one of the out-of-conference opponents early in the season I just don't think there's enough time and I also think that if a team's getting blown out like that as soon as they get the ball they're gonna milk the hell out of the clock nobody's gonna want to right get a century on them um i just i don't think you know never say never i just don't think it's going to happen 
um, just because logistically it'd be really, really difficult. And if there ever was a situation where a high state could hang that many points, I really don't see Ryan Day doing that. I don't, I don't think that's that's kind of his business. I think he would be content with maybe winning sixty to nothing or something like that. Yeah, right. Just a mere things. a mere sixty-five, seventy points. Right. It's one of those things where it, you know it just sort of has to happen. They're going to have the walk-ons on the field, you know. You, yeah, exactly. I mean, Nobody's uh, going to risk their starters, right, when you're up that much. And it's not even I mean, just the second team. I mean, you're, you know, you're down to the third string quarterback exactly. and, you know, fourth string, whatever it is. I mean, you're playing everybody uh, who has never gotten to play. I mean, it just, you know, it would have to be such a weird set yeah, of circumstances agreed. for that to happen, you know, to get above to get above 70 even uh it's pretty wild yeah i agree all right so that's the uh that's ask us anything if you want to send us any questions continue to do so to dubcast at 11warriors.com we love to answer them and and that's pretty much the dubcast let's get out of here on this andy what what's your score prediction for Rutgers? does ohio state cover that 37 point line yeah they're going to cover it um in in it's no disrespect to Greg Schiano, but just looking at, you know, he was um, barely able to get out of the thirties against, uh, you know, some pretty hapless teams earlier this season. So I, I don't see them putting up a bunch of points on the Buckeyes, you know, that mm-hmm. 57, 52 to 17 line that they threw out against Nebraska looks pretty good. I'm, I'm going to think that they're actually going to score. I think Nebraska's defense is better than Rutgers, not because I don't think Shiano knows how to coach, but because I just don't think he has the, the horses to keep up. And I certainly don't think that his offense is going to run wild over the Buckeyes. So I'm going to go, let's go uh, 59 to 10. Okay. I think that's reasonable. I, I think it might be a little, slightly closer than that. I would look at maybe something like maybe 52, 17, 52, 14. Um, so I think they'll get close to covering, but they may just miss it. So I think that's a pretty good line, honestly, from uh, from Vegas there, because that's that's about what I expect. You know, um, I was a little grouchy that they didn't. Now I I would say, in the interest of full disclosure, I didn't have money on the Penn State game, but you know, there's the the saying that great teams cover. So yeah. <laughs> and I think the line I saw was thirteen and a half. So I'm like, it just missed it by that much. That much. <laughs> that much. Missed it by that much. Uh, so that's the Dubcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll we'll be back next week. And hey, vote. Go out and vote. Do your civic duty. Get it done. Uh, but until until then, I am a voting John Genter. And I'm Andy. And we'll see you next time.